Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington. Bring your reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The finale of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy is here I was excited for this one, but Phase 4 of the MCU has been uh, on a uh, downward trajectory as far as the MCU as a whole. It's not been the best phase. I guess we're going into Phase 5 now. Is this the first movie in Phase 5? Because I guess uh, She-Hulk ended Phase 4 of the MCU, (laughs) right? So... I guess this is phase five. We're into phase five now. It's hard to tell now without like actual movies to divide it up like Avengers movies that that are dividing kind of movies as far as phases go. Now it's just uh, kind of random arbitrary points as to where the phases are at. It seems like to me, maybe it's always been that way, but seems a little weird to me that this would be a phase change movie right here, like with no change in between. I don't know. Seems a little weird. Either way. I was excited for this one, though a, a little bit uh, skeptical just as far as the, the way that the Marvel movies have been going lately, but let's check this one out. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians, met a girl, fell in love, and that girl died, but then she came back. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe from a enemy from Rocket's past who has once again emerged into the present day on a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. Themes, messages, ideas, this is the part of the show where I uh, get into some of the thematic material of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that popped out to me while I was watching this movie. And uh, there is some positive themes in here. There's some things, you know, the the importance of a loving family kind of themes. And and the I guess kind of the themes that have been in this series since the beginning, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy series, as far as... Uh, you know, ha- having the importance of a family and having a family. Sometimes, you know, your family is the the people that you choose instead of the people that is your blood relatives, and and those kind of themes, which are present throughout the whole series and are uh, once again present in this movie. Though I would say, you know, that's that's hardly the main thematic focus of this movie. A big big thematic focus of this movie is like the animal rights kind of thing going on here because uh, because <laughs> this is uh, this is taking a character from rocket's past and, and then bringing it into his, the the present day and so rocket being a raccoon right so they they use that to kind of have this character that is kind of this this torturous evil character from his past and it's it's pushing this kind of animal rights don't hurt nature, don't be, don't mess with nature kind of thing. And 
I mean, I'll, okay, I'll say this. I'm I'm all for not torturing animals. I don't think we should be torturing animals and doing the and doing some of the the crazy stuff that he's doing in this movie. Of course, you know that stuff is bad. But I I don't think really that's like all they're saying with this. I mean, the the kind of the impression I get from this movie is much more along the lines of like we are a part of nature so we need to take care of nature because like like we're one with it essentially you know uh and and i mean i do agree that we should take care of nature but not because we are one with it right we should take care of nature rather because we are above it we have dominion over nature. God gave us dominion over the earth and everything in it. Not for us to, to, to destroy it and pervert it like the, the villain in this movie was doing, but rather to take care of it and to subdue it, as the Bible says. You know, uh, Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves along the ground. That is, we are not just one of the animals. We are above the animals. We take care of the animals and we subdue and have dominion over the animals of the earth. And the hypothesis in this movie kind of just seems to be be nice to nature and nature's gonna be nice to you, you know? So as long as you're nice with nature, nature will be nice back, you know? And uh, that's not really how that works. I mean, that's, <laughs> do I need to explain how that's not that work? You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to do it in the grand spectrum, oh, we've never been nice to nature, so nature has never been nice to us, which is just not really true. But I mean, you look at it on a much more micro scale of, you know, people having their dogs or whatever that they're super nice to or there there's that one story of the lady that owned a pet monkey and then one day it just decided to rip her face off right and it's just like you know just because you're nice to nature doesn't mean nature's gonna be nice to you you know that's that's a uh, uh, that has never been proven out to be true, you know? There's also some themes in here about God, you know, to talk of them kind of discussing God a little bit in here. And I'm still not entirely sure that, that I have it all pieced together, and I'm not, not even sure that, that, like, James Gunn intended you for you to, to piece this together necessarily. Like, I, I don't think... It, it kind of feels a little haphazard and, and just kind of thrown in here in, in some ways. It seems to me their idea of God... It falls into one of two categories, I think. Either that that there is a God and God created us and then God just kind of left us to our own devices and we're on our own now and, and God uh, either is, is evil or bad or God just doesn't care about us. Or the other option is that there is no God altogether and ultimately kind of we are God and, be, you know, and, and that kind of fits the one with nature thing. You know, we're one with nature and nature is God and we're God and we're all kind of a part of it and we all just need to get along and... We can all be uh, singing kumbaya as long as we get along with nature and, and we are God kind of view point. So, so it's it's one of those two things. I'm kind of leaning towards the latter, but either way, it's it is definitely a very uh, hopeless kind of pointless worldview. You know, uh, you know, no mission, no goal, no meaning to life. You know, it, it's all just very pointless and, and hopeless and uh, just. Yeah, not 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 a great worldview there to be promoting. the The main villain of this is also kind of a uh, a transhumanist. You know, I, I won't get into it too much, but you can see some of this during the trailer. How he's uh, augmented himself in and and augmented uh, you know other other 
people and stuff in just these weird ways. I guess it's the these transhuman ways that I guess I just point this out just because this is something that is being attempted and is, is going on in real life now as far as people like transhumanism as far as trying to upgrade humans and, and trying to implant uh you know ships into people and implant and and upgrade people essentially with technology which is like a horrible a horrible idea but but this is something that's going on in real life and that people there there are you know groups of people that are trying to push this kind of stuff Elon Musk is trying to push this kind of stuff yeah it's it's not a great thing it's i, I guess i just find it interesting that the villain in this movie is kind of pushing those same kind of things it's uh it's interesting i don't even know necessarily that's viewed as a good thing or a bad thing per se in the movie it, it maybe it, it but the obviously the way that he's doing it is very bad because he's just a very evil person you know anyway i i just thought i would note that just because it's it's interesting anyway i want you all to know that i'm grateful to fight beside my friends incinerate them the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are great. They're extremely fun. They're not the the top tier of the MCU, in my opinion. They don't hit the the top tier of the the Iron Mans and the Avengers and the Spider Mans and and some of that stuff for me. But they are really good, entertaining, fun movies. And with Guardians of the Galaxy three, once again, that is what we're getting here. The whole team is back here and once again they're just a, a blast they're so much fun this is such a fun group of characters with lots of of just really funny and fun moments just throughout the whole thing and yet they retain that that heart you know they they got that heart in the movie where you care about these characters and they can you know hit you in the feels every now and again you know and especially with this kind of being the the concluding tra chapter to the trilogy, you know, uh, so this is kind of an ending of sorts here, and they, uh, definitely try to, to pull out all the stops with that, and they just do a great job at, at giving this movie great heart, great comedy, and, uh, and just a, a very, very fun time, uh, Rocket Raccoon is kind of the, the crux of this movie this time, because the, the villain is a character from his past, and that is, like, back now, and I, I really liked this. This dives a lot more into Rocket Raccoon's backstory, and I really liked seeing Rocket's backstory. I think that that aspect of it is really well done, and it's the kind of stuff that you see uh, hinted at in the the previous movies but this one explores it quite a bit more we get to meet lila and, and some of these other characters from his backstory which is extremely cool and it kind of it kind of fleshes his character out because he's he is kind of this mysterious weird kind of character through you know the the first few movies and stuff and so this one it, it reveals a lot of the the mystery around his character it reveals kind of who who, who he is and kind of what's going on with rocket and why he is the way he is and stuff which is cool like he he's he's not quite the main character of this movie but he is he's the the most important character of this movie probably uh i think how they handle gamora in this movie is well done considering kind of the the mess they left her in in the the previous movie because i guess spoilers for avengers endgame here so in infinity war gamora dies and then she comes back in endgame i think that's right yeah that's right
right. So she she dies in Infinity War. She comes back in Endgame, but it's a different version of her from the past that hasn't had all the experiences of of the three <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy movies. It's essentially erased all of the movies. So she's like a fresh, brand new Gamora from the very first movie kind of character. And so it's... It's weird just having the trilogy and then this one, the Gamora, just changing, flipping radically. And again, I think they 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 handle it pretty well considering kind of the the mess that was dropped on them coming out of Endgame. They do a good enough job with it, though. I I, I guess I have a I, I can't help but think that this isn't this wasn't the original plan for this character. You know, like I I can't help but think that James Gunn had some different kind of ending or some different kind of thing that she was going to do with her character. And then because of the events and Endgame and Infinity War and stuff that he had to be like, oh, okay, I guess I got to change things up and do things differently. And that's ultimately what we got with, with Gamora in this movie. You know, okay, fine, fair enough. But, uh, you know, and, and it's, and, and, and that's, I guess, one of the consequences of having the big event like movies, having the crossover movies is that when when they have the big things that happen to them in those movies, suddenly you have to deal with those consequences spinning out into their own movies. So that way, I guess, if you're only watching the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, it would make those movies a lot less cohesive, just one straight to the other. Uh, as opposed to the first two movies, you could just watch one straight to the other and, you know, I mean, I don't remember if they reference any of the Avengers or whatnot, but, but those movies, I think, flow together a lot better than it would going from number two to number three. I am a bit disappointed with Groot in this movie. I just think they, they gave him absolutely nothing to do. Uh, you know, in the, in each movie, they kind of, he kind of has stuff to do and he's, he, you know, in the first movie, I guess in the first movie, he's just the, the weird quirky talking tree, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, that's weird. That's kind of fun. The second movie, he's baby Groot, you know? And so it's like, oh, that's, that's fun. That's different. That's goofy. And then he's teenage Groot in Infinity War and stuff. So it's like, they always kind of gave him something to do. This one, he's like, he's shaped a little bit different. He's not quite adult, adult Groot, but he's not teenage Groot anymore. But it, they, they didn't really give him much to do. He barely spoke in the whole movie. It's like, you could have had him say, I am Groot a few more times. I mean, come on. But I don't know. It, it did seem a little disappointing that he... He just seemed like he had very little to do in the movie. Adam Warlock in here after being introduced at the very end of the last movie. Uh, so Adam Warlock played by Will Poulter. Uh, really good. Really fun. I don't know a lot about Adam Warlock in the comics. I have a feeling that this is James Gunn doing his thing and kind of changing the characters up a little bit because kind of like he did with Drax, Drax is a fairly different character in the comics than he is in the movies. I, I, I don't know the character of Adam Warlock, but I have a feeling that's what he did with his character in here. That said, I really enjoyed it. I think Will Poulter is very fun in the role. He's a very fun and funny character, and he's uh, very powerful, which I believe is uh, is what he is in the comics. Chad Wiji, Wuji, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> plays the high evolutionary, uh, so the villain of this movie. Good, really good. Uh, not, I'm not gonna say he's like the, the, most thought-provoking or in-depth villain, but I think he does a really good job at portray portraying this this really evil guy that has this this grand plan that he wants to see done, and he's you know trying to get this done. I think he plays off that character uh, really well. 
And again, his tie-in to Rocket from the past really helps that. I think if they didn't have that connection, I think he would be a much less interesting villain here in the present day. But seeing those connections to Rocket in the past is really another element that really kind of makes his character that much better. There is some kind of uh, rule-breaking kind of stuff going on in here, but by that I mean like they they set some things up in the movie and then kind of break what the, the, that actually means and stuff. I'll get more into that in the spoiler section, but that's stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to leave that vague, but that's stupid. Uh, overall, overall, I think this is good. This is a good, solid ending to James Gunn's version of Guardians of the Galaxy. I assume Disney and, and Marvel and them is going to be like, no, Guardians of the Galaxy makes a lot of money. We're going to keep making more movies with characters and stuff, and we're, we're going to do this. You know, it's like, fine. You know, I'm sure that's going to happen, so all right. Uh, but uh, I think this is a this is a good, solid ending to James Gunn's Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I don't think that... It's not like, it's not the best movie of the trilogy, I don't think, but it's it's right there in line with the other two. Very fun, very entertaining, and heartfelt. We were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action, strong language, suggestive drug references, and thematic elements. I would give it a 4 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. We'll all fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky. It's spoiler time, so spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you've not seen this movie, don't listen on, or do if you want to. I mean, it's up to you, obviously, you know, so do do whatever you're about to do and do it right now. Okay, you're still listening? Well, good, thanks for listening. Let's talk about spoilers. Okay, so, Adam Warlock, let's, let's talk about him real quick. He, his character basically plays the same role that his people did in the previous movie, because he comes from that golden people from the previous movie that just like okay he's not the main villain he's not the main villain in the movie but rather he's just kind of a problem for the protagonists that just pops up every now and again that is like exactly the role that his people played in the previous movie in the previous movie you know the the main villain was ego but every now and again you know, the, the golden people would pop up and be like, hey, we need our money back, or whatever they were trying to say there in the previous movie. Then Adam Warlock, basically the same thing. Adam Warlock's going and trying to get Rocket, and uh, so every once in a while, he just pops up, beats everybody up. When he first shows up and he's beating everybody up, he's, he is this very powerful, almost Superman-like character. Very cool. And from again, from what I understand, that that is kind of his powers in the comics is he's extremely strong and has the the power beams or whatever shooting out of his hands and stuff that kind of stuff uh they did make him very much a kid this is the stuff that i um i, I question if this is from the comics or not i don't know maybe it is maybe i'm just making stuff up here but 
he, he is very much a kid. He doesn't know what in the world he's doing. He was born yesterday, basically. <laughs> like, and so he's he's a kid. He's very immature, and he acts like a child, even though he's an adult and he's going around. You know, so it's like that. That's kind of a fun thing. It makes for a, a fun dynamic with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It makes for a fun dynamic with his mother, and it's good stuff. I did not like that they like did a, a Star Lord death fake out scene in this movie. I think that's stupid. Uh, it's, it's a scene very similar to, I think it was the first movie in the trilogy where Star-Lord like gets ejected out into space and he's starting to freeze and then they, they pull him back into the ship or whatever and he, he thaws out and he's fine. This is very similar to that, th that scene, probably just a, a straight up callback to that scene to, to kind of wrap the trilogy up. Right. But it's just this this whole thing where he's out there and I'm like, wait, so this is the final one of the trilogy. You know, they could kill Star-Lord here, right? So it's like, okay, maybe they could kill Star-Lord here. The Them killing him by him just like running back to grab his, his iPod or his Nano or whatever that is, that's kind of lame. So like, they're, you know, if he died saving Gamora or something, you know, or, or saving Mantis or something, it's like, okay, that's cool. That makes sense. But no, like he, he would just dies from just going back to save his Nano. That, that doesn't make any sense. That's kind of dumb. But then it's like, okay, well, if he, he's going to die, if we're going to have this big kind of consequence at the end of this movie, that could make sense. But, but even when he's out there and he's freezing, I'm going, okay, he's not going to die. He, he's going to make it still. But then, like, his face gets all distorted and bloated and stuff from freezing. And and there was other stuff that was, like, frozen and kind of, like, exploding around him. And I'm like, is Star-Lord just going to burst into pieces here? Like, what in the world? <laughs> that would be insane. But no, they don't do that. Adam goes out there and gets him. And so, okay. Uh, <laughs> Adam Warlock flies out there, grabs him, and takes him in. And then he just thaws out and he's just like, no, yeah, I'm good. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm good. And he's like, are you? You're a human, right? What? I guess he's half human, half ego, the living planet. So I guess since he's half celestial, maybe he could survive that. But still, it's like, are you okay? That would kill you. <laughs> like, how are you not dead? But okay, I guess, fine. He's alive. And then during that whole sequence, you have... This is kind of part of what makes me think maybe it's the we are one with nature and, and we are God kind of thing as Adam Warlock goes out there to save him. And then it's Adam and... Star-Lord and you see the fingers coming together like the the what is that Sistine Chapel or whatever the 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 church that has the uh you know god and man and the touching fingers kind of thing that painting you know they recreate that and go you know oh, okay god and man here i guess so star lord would be the god and adam is uh, adam warlock there so it's like oh, okay all right oh okay what what is this <laughs> but the the idea of saying hey we the humans we are the the gods and you know them going and having to save all of the animals kind of put Putting the the animals lives on the same level as human lives or the you know they're like oh i thought we were only saving the higher intelligence species and star lord's like yeah i did too you know but but they're putting the the 
lives of all of the higher intelligent species, you know, for which for all intents and purposes are humans, right? Like, uh, you know, you could say, oh, Rocket's not a human. Oh, you know, the Gamora's not a human and stuff. Yeah, that's technically true. But for all intents and purposes, for the sake of the story, you know, they're basically humans, right? They're, they have human-like intelligence. They're, they're basically humans, right? For the sake of the story, they're essentially humans. They're not animals in the, in the storytelling sense, right? But then they're equating these animals and their, their lives are just as important as uh, all of the people, all of the like sentient human level life forms that are on the ship and stuff. And so putting the animals and stuff on the level of us there, that was the part that it's like, it, it works for the movie. But maybe it's a bit much when they're all running out of the ship and they have all the animals and everything and stuff. And it's like maybe it may be a bit too on the nose or something there with kind of the animal rights messaging going on there. But again, for somebody like Rocket and for his backstory and then him, he, he's like deciding not to run away. And then he sees these other animals that this guy is going to be was going to be experimenting on and stuff. And so he's like, OK, I'm going to take these animals. I'm going to get them out of here. You know, it's like it, it totally makes sense for the movie. And so ultimately it works. And ultimately I was fine with it. But it is maybe, you know, again, just maybe just a bit heavy handed with the, the animal rights type messaging going on in here. Groot grows wings at one point in here. That he just like he grows wings and just flies and it's like why is that is this a thing this is what <laughs> honestly I just thought that was stupid it's just like no what well, if he can fly why was this not established way earlier why didn't he use this way earlier like what why that's I don't know it just seems kind of cheap and it's just like oh how are they gonna get out of it a uh, group can grow wings and fly now I guess like what. No, it's just kind of stupid in my opinion. Well, what's really stupid and the rule-breaking thing, once again, is the, the when Groot says, I love you guys. And it, uh, it's so insanely stupid. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, ah, uh, man, I hated it in the first movie. You know, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot. Rocket says, you know, that's the only thing he can say. That's the only thing his species can say. And, but, but that's their language. And ultimately, you know, and then he says, we are Groot. And that was incredibly stupid on every level. And then he just straight up just says, I love you guys, which is just so dumb. It's, oh my gosh, he can't. I thought the whole point of his character, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I hate it so much. I hate it. It's, ugh, it's awful. Please. Oh my gosh. It, if, if he can talk, just have him talk. Just, he just can talk now. Fine. Whatever. Just go for it. It's stupid. But if he can talk, just have him talk. Don't either do the cute I am Groot thing, which is, I'm cool with, like, I like that. That's funny. That's cute. You know, okay. But don't, don't then break that rule of that's, that's how he talks. And that's, that's all he can say. And all this kind of, you know, that, that rule that has been established, don't break that rule to have him just say some other random thing. Like he can, he can just be doing this the whole time and he just chooses not to because, I don't know. I don't know. It's so dumb. I hate it. It's awful. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess I should go through all the different characters' endings. This is the ending movie, and so they all kind of have their own different kind of uh, conclusion to their characters and, and character arcs and things. Uh, 
So Peter Quill, uh, Peter Quill ends up going to Earth, and he meets his grandfather there. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty cool, pretty good sequence. That makes sense. You know, he's running all his life, and he he's like, no, I got to stop running, and so I'm going to go back to the place where I originally started running and deal with my issues there, there, and then then we'll move forward from there. So you know, him going back to Earth and and meeting the the rest of his family that is still alive. Uh, is is good. That's that's some good right there. I like that. And then you get the the after credits scene with him eating cereal that lasts. The sound lasts like way too long, and of him eating cereal and stuff. And is that's that's kind of funny, but uh, also it's like. That's it for the after credits scene? Okay, I guess. <laughs> so Nebula uh, staying behind to help lead the town and, you know, kind of kind of give them hope or help in, in ways that she never had and stuff. So it's like, okay, sure, okay, that's that's pretty decent, that's good. I, I do really like Drax, where they put Drax, Drax, uh, you know, he's Drax the Destroyer and he's been trying to live up to this name, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately... He is more the father. He's the father type character. He's good with kids. He had a daughter, and then the the death of his daughter is the thing that propelled him into being the destroyer. Is what propelled him into being this this killer that he became, and then was kind of uh, pulled back from a, a little bit when he met the the guardians and kind of got him a new family there. And then he's he's gonna help run essentially run the orphanage, I guess, uh, with Nebula. And so it's like okay that. To me, that seems like a really good kind of conclusion to his character, uh, kind of once again giving him a, a purpose and a purpose that has to do with kids, which is the thing that that tore his purpose away when when Ronan killed his kids. You know, Mantis, uh, Mantis is like, all right, I, I gotta leave because you know, like I've I've always like followed or, or been with other people my whole life, you know, with ego and then with you guys and stuff. So like now I, I just kind of need to go my own way and do my own thing and stuff. And ugh, I, I don't like it when people say stuff like this. I mean, like the, in real life, this, this is the type of terrible thing that, that people say when they're like divorcing their spouse and breaking up their family and stuff. And then they, they like make this kind of selfish excuse to, to go and do whatever in the world they want to do instead of helping the, the greater good of their family and their children and all this kind of, you know, I just think, I think, I guess I think being a part of something that is, that is bigger than yourself is a good and, and noble thing. And, uh, we, we, as a culture, have kind of pulled back from that idea and have uh, have very much elevated the the singular person as like the the highest level of uh, you know hi highest form of person when the the highest quote unquote form of person I guess that's a stupid way of putting it is I think in like a, a unit or a family unit or, or something along those lines you know so it's like eh, I don't I just don't really like. Uh, that kind of excuse to have Mantis go her own way. It's just kind of like, eh, okay. And then Rocket, Rocket and Groot go off and they have their own Guardians of the Galaxy because they're like, what? Rocket's like, dude, this is just it? This is the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy then? What, what's going on? And then it's like, no, now you're going to be the, the leader and we're going to have a new team of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which totally makes sense. If if Star-Lord's leaving, then Rocket's the new leader. That that totally makes sense. And then that ties right into the the first after credit scene, which is is really the big, the big after credit scene here, which is Rocket with a new team 
of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's Rocket, Groot, Cosmo, uh, Adam Warlock, and some girl with glowing hands. I don't know if we're, we're supposed to know who that is. I have no idea who that is or anything, but some girl with glowing hands that just showed up there. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Cosmo, the talking dog here, uh, is, it is she's f funny here. Cosmo's a girl, I guess. I, was Cosmo a boy or a girl? Because it's voice acted by a girl. So I, I, I guess I thought Cosmo was a boy until the, the voice actor's a girl. So I don't know. Anyway, either way, it's a dog. <laughs> and uh, very funny. I liked the whole thing of like, you know, uh, what's his name? Craglin says bad boy or bad dog. And and he's like, no, you got to take that back. You got to, you know, and that whole thing. Very funny. Very fun. Cosmo definitely has a bigger role in this movie than he did in either of the previous movies. You know, I think he briefly showed up in the first movie, and then the second movie he had, like, a little bit more of a role. Maybe, did he talk in the second movie? Did she talk in the second movie? I don't quite remember. But this one, she's talking, she's using her mind powers, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, okay, very much more of a... a character that is like actually doing some stuff even though she's in a, a very little bit of the movie ultimately adam warlock being on the team very cool very fun i i, I am very curious to see what they're going to do with his character in the future you know if it would not surprise me if they made Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4 with this team, you know, or or with a similar team, or if they just went with a, you know, the legendary Star-Lord movie or something like that, because at the, after the Star-Lord eating cereal after credits scene, it says the legendary Star-Lord will return, and it's like, oh, okay, so th that's kind of his title, kind of like the Incredible Hulk, right? It's the legendary Star-Lord, that's kind of his title in the comic books, and and I think it's the first time that we've seen that title used with him in the MCU. I could be mistaken, but I think it is. And so that makes me go, oh, are they going to have something called the, you know, TV show or movie called the Legendary Star-Lord Star and that's going to be another thing moving forward or I don't know. I, it, it makes me curious to see where some of these characters will end up moving forward. Oh yeah, Gamora, I didn't talk about her. She's with the Ravengers now. She started off with Ravengers, still ended up with the Ravengers. The, the, her story arc kind of being, uh, what, I'm not a part of you guys, I'm not a part of your team, and then she's like, oh yeah, you guys are good guys, I like you guys, but I'm still not a part of your team. And it's like, oh, okay, okay I guess. <laughs> Again, I think they did, I, I think they, they, they did good with her character, considering kind of the mess that, that they left her in coming out of the Avengers movies, you know, so, ah, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a bummer as far as where they probably would have went, you know, wherever that would be, I, I would be curious to see where they would have went had that not happened in the Avengers movies, you know, and that's about it, I, yeah, what did you think, Podcast at gmail.com, and you can let me know what you thought of Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, that's it for this time. Until next time, this is David of Helix Reviews signing out. Bye-bye, guys.